Hello and welcome back. For today's podcast, we're joined by Abby Crosby from Cornwall Wildlife Trust, who's speaking with us about marine wildlife across the south of England, and especially the gradual increase of bottlenose dolphins. Abby talks about the brilliant work of local communities and goes into some of the interesting science of how species are monitored. If you like this episode and like to follow more on this project, please follow the links in the description. And if you'd like to support us, you can make a donation at restoreourplant.org or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Enjoy the conversation. Hello and welcome back to Restoral Planet Podcast with me, your host, Jack Cole. So this week I'm joined by Abby Crosby from the Cornwall Wildlife Trust. So Abby, good afternoon. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So tell us to start things off a little bit about your background. Well, I am a Marine Conservation Officer at Cornwall Wildlife Trust, and I've been at the charity now for 15 years, coming up to 15 years. Um, It is an incredible place to work. It's the leading organisation protecting Cornwall's wildlife and wild places, and I absolutely love it. And I do lots and lots of very interesting things. Um, So, yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, look forward to seeing... uh seeing where, where we go. Um, all right, so of course Cornwall. Let's kick things off by talking a little bit about sort of marine wildlife around Cornwall. Well, I mean, ultimately, all I can tell you is that it's the best place in the world for marine wildlife. It is, oh, it is phenomenal. It is world-class, you know, from our sort of coastal habitats, our intertidal habitats, and our subtidal habitats, uh, pink feet, sea fans and corals and rocky reefs, seagrass beds that are just absolutely huge. Um, we have, you know, we support a whole plethora of megafauna species. So whales, humpback whales are now becoming what seems like a regular annual visitor. Um, we have minke whales annually. Um, we have these rare inshore bottlenose dolphins. Only yesterday, someone found a little spiny seahorse or falmouth in the, in the seaweed. I mean, honestly, it's just beautiful and so special. And I'm really proud to be part of many people in this county who are trying to protect it so that's great and also great surf I'm yeah well yeah that too <laughs> so um, as i understand it dolphins recolonized the uk in 1991 and this is one of the few places in the world where this is actually happening i'm just curious to know why that is well you know as i said just now you know we support a, a large volume of of large megafauna like cetaceans so dolphins and porpoises and whales and uh, and bottlenose dolphins is just one of the species that we support off our coast and they are yeah, spectacular highly intelligent uh, fascinating species and as you said you know in Cornwall in the last gosh nearly you know over 30 years we saw the repopulation of our inshore pod of bottlenose dolphins so you get lots of regional pods of bottlenose dolphins and you get offshore species and inshore species Uh, and what happened back in the 90s is that population the inshore population disappeared and it disappeared because of our use of very nasty chemical pollutants and you may have heard that saying silent spring 
which caused the decimation of our you know UK wildlife like otters and uh, insects and it and it impacted our cetaceans it impacted our bottlenose dolphins and they disappeared they were killed off around our coastline because of that pollution and then as you mentioned in the 90s the early 90s suddenly they appeared again and we've got the most amazing uh, biologists who remember the day that those dolphins were seen again for the first time ever from Cape Cornwall. And they think that they were members of the offshore populations that then come in and find that, that niche, that habitat niche and repopulate it and exist. And they exist 30 years on as this um, independent, genetically independent population um, that only exists off the coasts of the south of the UK. So we like to call them our Cornish bottlenose dolphins, but research thanks to the University of Plymouth and many stakeholders in one of our consortiums, which I could talk about a bit later, thanks to that fantastic research, we know now that they do expand along the channel on the south coast of the UK, but they are unique, they stay specifically ensure in that area and uh and yeah we're very lucky to have them yeah fantastic okay so not yeah. just a spectacular species but they're also a very important one um they're indicator species if i'm right i was wondering yeah. if you could explain a little bit about what is an indicator species and why uh what to go dolphin is one well i mean like any top marine predator if it's doing really well then ultimately we as humans should be doing really well so if we are managing our seas the way they should be managed and everything within them, those top marine predators should be thriving. So we should be seeing them reproducing successfully, feeding successfully, living in peace successfully off our coastline, regardless of the volume of activity that we see around our coast. Um, so, you know, from the fish that these these dolphins eat to the places where they play and feed and the activity there, you know, if we are, if they are doing well, then it shows that the state of our seas is good. And then we in turn as humans should be doing really well too. So yeah, absolutely. Like many top marine predators, that's the situation. Good news, okay. And so obviously, well, obviously there they are quite an intelligent um species. Would you mind telling, telling us a little bit about their ecology and their behaviour? Yeah, well, I mean, they're big. That's the first thing. Like whenever we have a dolphin, a bottlenose dolphin seen off our coast or maybe strand on the beaches, the first thing the public will always say is, oh, a whale stranded. And we'll be like, oh, right, OK. And then we see the photos and we realise it's a bottlenose. They can grow over four metres in length. Um, big, big animals, you know, stocky animals. The biggest, you know, our UK in bottlenose um, are some of the biggest of the variety across the globe. Um, they are uniform grey in colour, but they have lovely pale bellies, so that helps with their camouflage in the sea. When you're looking up from underneath them, you wouldn't see them as well. Um, they have sickle-shaped fins, they've got the bottle nose, so they're their, um, their, their nose area is very rounded rather than thin and pointy and a bit more stumpy, sort of stumpy round nose. Um, and you know, they're, they're playful, they're energetic. You see them coming. When I've been on the cliffs walking my dogs, I you look out to see as you do, you know, out of habit, obviously constantly, um, and you'll see them coming. You'll see this 
white foam miles offshore and then when you get your eyes in you realize that's what you're seeing you're seeing that pod of dolphins you know tra often traveling right across St Ives Bay for instance um, and uh, and it's just such a privilege to see them sometimes well annually we see them with calves with their little tiny babies um, which they have after a long gestation and those those calves will stay with the with the unit particularly the maternal unit for a long long time years and years and years and uh and it's absolutely wonderful you know we know that they talk to each other that they have names for each other um they communicate using those whistles and those clicks um so highly highly intelligent there's so much about them we don't know that we still need to know and that's why we do the work we do you know to keep trying to research them and find out more about their ecology and biology so that we can then know how to to manage and protect them better in our waters yeah so you mentioned that you can identify individuals um tell us a little bit about their their dorsal fins and some of the individuals that you've identified and perhaps a few anecdotes and some behaviours you've, uh, yeah. you've noticed. So like people will probably have heard of it with other species around the world. Um, you can use the fins of these cetaceans to identify individuals in the population. So in humpback whales, they'll use their tail flukes, for instance. But in bottlenose dolphins, it's a well-known research method to look at the shape of their dorsal fins and look for any scratches or scars or notches or nicks um that we can then review and identify year after year so it's a really non-invasive way of studying the animals because once you can identify an individual you can track its movements and its behavior wherever it goes um and so there are catalogues for these pods. So as we mentioned earlier, we have a pod here in Cornwall, this inshore population that exists around the south coast of the UK. Well, there are other populations. There's a population off Scotland in the Moray Firth, and there's a population off Wales in Cardigan Bay. And there are catalogues for those populations. So that for instance, seeing that in um, in action, we recently had a, a solitary bottlenose dolphin appear off our coast. So these are often young males that for whatever reason are excluded from a, a pod and they come and they often frequent really busy areas. They like interaction with people and boats. And we can then use these photo ID catalogues to see if we can track it with one of these other on inshore pods or maybe realise that it's probably from an offshore population so that's an example of that sort of photo id in action but um the wildlife trust along with other organizations and partners within our southwest um, bottlenose dolphin consortium have used sightings and photos really good quality photos of these dorsal fins the fin on the back of the dolphin to um look at this population in more detail and try and learn more about its ecology, its structure, its population, its ecology, you know, where it goes, what it does. Uh, and we've had some really interesting findings from that research. You mentioned the, the single male there who's sort mm -hmm. of been migrating, moving around, so a little bit sort of lost as it were. Yeah. But the, the groups you mentioned before, I forget, sorry, that part of Scotland um, and uh, there is that you've identified otherwise in, in the South. Do they generally migrate or do they generally stay in the same place all year? Mm -hmm. What's their general kind of movement patterns over, over seasons? Well, I mean, um, 
these these animals, these inshore pods of bottomlays, do show site fidelity. They do, as I said, sort of frequent the same sort of areas um, uh, throughout the year. However, what we also know is they're really highly mobile. So they do often migrate outside of these kind of key identified areas, which is a bit tr tricky for conservation. You know, one way in which um, the government and us protect these amazing animals is by designating areas, marine protected areas called Special Areas of Conservation or SACs identified specifically for these dolphins. So there are um, bottlenose dolphin sacks in Scotland and in Wales. And it means that within that area, people are aware that this is a key species and there will be certain laws and regulations to protect that species within those special areas. However, what we always see is that the, the kind of key populations do migrate outside of those areas. They're mobile, you know, they're wild animals. Um, so sacks and, and for an, a pod like our south um, coast population, which, which runs from the north coast of Devon probably all the way through to Brighton designating an enormous sack along the whole isn't it's not unfeasible but it may not be appropriate it may not be the best um, action to take to protect this population and that's something that 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 we and the governing bodies and other universities academic uh, bodies are deciding how can we best protect these really special areas off the south coast of the UK and that's still a conversation that's happening. So, Amy, you've mentioned a few times that the communities like to get involved. Tell us a little bit about the positive influence and, uh, you know, things that local people can do to get involved and the things they're doing already. Well, um, in Cornwall, we've, we're really lucky. We, we, we have this unique network of community conservation groups called the Yorkshire Network. So there's around 17 local volunteer-led community initiatives that are protecting their coasts and seas. They are collecting data on what exists on their doorstep. They are being an active voice for its protection, for its better management. And, um, and they are playing an invaluable role of, you know, helping us, you know, protect these animals in the county. So, and, and citizen science is, is, is really, really important for such mobile, elusive, species you know to study bottlenose dolphins at sea would be hugely time consuming for a specific group of marine biologists it would cost an awful lot of money to to, to track them around our coast um, but with people who are out and using our coast all the time from members of the public to boat operators wildlife boat tour operators and um, to lifeguards and coast watch volunteers you know they can all play a really active role in gathering data gathering sightings and even a basic ad hoc record and um, that's a one-off record where you see a dolphin off the coast and you know the date and the time and the location and information that's such important information that when we gather that you know on a really high scale high level we can do some really interesting uh, statistics and, and research into that. We also train volunteers and members of the public to do surveys. So the next step up in quality of data, we um, uh, train them to do effort-based surveys from land. There's also uh, surveys that can be done by at sea, but we focus as a Cornwall Wildlife Trust on land-based surveys um, to look at effort and um, see 
you know, very clever statisticians can use that information to then look into populations even further. And um, the Wildlife Trust also run a project really importantly called the Marine Strandings Network, where local people in this county are trained to monitor quite some sad events when the dolphins wash up around our coast dead. But from a really sad event comes an invaluable opportunity for us to look at the ecology of these animals up close and in a non-invasive way when they are at sea alive. So it's a really important and um, interesting opportunity to study these animals. And we get a lot, you know, in Cornwall, we get often around 250 dead dolphins washing up every year in just this county alone. Now, usually we get at least one or two bottlenose dolphins every year. Um, so it is this invaluable opportunity to study the creatures uh, up close. Yeah. Right. Okay, so we should wait sharing with me a little bit about some of the things that you can find out about a, about a dead dolphin? Well, um, what we generally are aiming to do, as well as taking measurements um, about their biology, which is all stored uh, within a national programme called the Cetacean Strandings Investigation Programme. So Cornwall Wildlife Trust is an official partner in this national programme, which is funded by DEFRA. Uh, and we in the, tr in the county create sometimes 20% of the UK data. We get that many strandings that that's how much data we contribute. So our work is really, really important and uh, as well as kind of collecting that data on its biology we will ultimately be looking at the cause of death we need to understand why these animals are washing up and what are the problems what are the issues or what are, what is interesting about um, these strandings so animals that are suitable and that means incredibly fresh will go to post-mortem with the cetacean strandings investigation program so we work with a veterinary pathologist called james who will do the post-mortems and, and see the cause of death however at the trust we also have a program Program called BEEP, which is the Bycatch Evidence Evaluation Protocol, where we can study the animals in situ on the beach. So if they're not fresh enough to go to post-mortem, we can still get some information from the carcass on the beach that may potentially give us information on the cause of death. So what sort of causes of death are we looking at? We're looking at often we're often looking at infectious diseases, absolutely, a lot of natural infectious diseases in these creatures. Um, some animals, some particular species are more susceptible than others in something called brucella, which is like a meningitis within the species that can be transferred to humans. We have to be very, very careful and follow really rigorous health and safety protocols. But that's only in very small, tiny proportion of the animals that wash in and often in very particular species like striped dolphins. The other big thing um, that we have discovered over our 20 years of research is that bycatch, which is the accidental entanglement of these animals in fishing gear, is one of the top threats to these um, creatures in our coastal waters. We see at least 30% of the animals that have washed up dead have been caught and died as a result of bycatch, which is a massive, massive problem, uh, a really serious problem. It's a problem that the government are taking seriously. Um, but it's a problem that still needs resolving. And so it's so important that we carry on collecting the data that we do and using that evidence to put pressure on our governing bodies to manage our fisheries in a way to reduce bycatch down to what should be 0%. Okay, what do you, do you see as some of the future trends? 
terms of dolphins and marine uh, wildlife in your in the back of the woods in terms of it's five or ten years what, what would you like to see well i think because as i said just then that you know dolphins you know bycatch particularly as a specific problem facing cetaceans in the uk is being taken seriously at a government level there's lots of policies coming out uh since our um, new environmental act and all the other sort of acts and policies coming out of us leaving Europe, there is a hope that there will be stronger and better legislation protecting bottlenose dolphins in our UK waters. <coughs> so I'd like to think, and with, and with the general public engagement and awareness of the value of our environment, um, particularly the value of our sea, thanks to things like the Blue Planet, and also thanks to even COVID, you know, really raising people's appreciation for our natural environment and how important it is for us as well as wildlife. Um, I'd like to think that the future is really positive for our animals, especially as bottlenose dolphins. I like to be an optimist. I don't think it's too late to protect this very vulnerable pod. Um, we think we have around 40-ish animals left in this pod so they are on the limit of viability so I but I think that with better public support better stronger legislation managing activities at sea to protect these animals the future is looking really positive and I'd like to keep seeing these trends of increases you know we've had big whales coming back in recent years in uh, which is gorgeous to see and I hope that's a long-term trend we've got to keep gathering the data to see if it is really a long-term trend and I would love to see our south coast bottlenose dolphin increasing in numbers in the years to come. Hey, funny, Abby, where can people follow you and support your work? Uh, you can follow us on um, our social media. So the Cornwall Wildlife Trust is really active on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I think there's even rumours of a TikTok account starting soon. But follow us on there. We also have a project called Sequest Southwest. And Sequest Southwest is our public engagement project for marine megafauna in Cornwall. And we have a very active uh, Facebook and Instagram site. So you could also search Sequest Southwest and follow us specifically for all things dolphins on there. Abby, thank you. Thank you so much.